You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins joins us here on the board. And Joe is flying his flag proudly today. No, not really. But, you know, we've talked about Adam Vinatieri so much in this season, Mike. I I just want to say that there are a few things in this life I hate. One of them is when a guy that tells us something in August and then he's right. Yep. I hate that. So, Joe, I... Part of me just hates you right now. And this, of course, going back, for those of us who don't remember, Joe uh, did not put Adam Vinatieri in his top 10 Colts in our preseason rankings. And Chapel been ripping and I, him all year. Yeah, we have been. And we have been, uh, we were stunned. We were surprised. We were baffled. And uh, who I, think, are, I think this knee injury is a, is a case that Adam has taken this to heart and it's just weighed him down. And this, this is from Joe just constantly hammered him. What would you guys do if I just came in one day in a Vinny jersey? Like I was wondering who you were. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the Colts uh, have signed another kicker. They claimed him off waivers, in fact. So you go out. This is a guy that you give up your waiver spot for, It's uh, and it's an important acquisition. You don't just do that for anybody. Um, so they claim kicker Chase McLaughlin off of waivers. Rookie, who is with his fifth team in seven months, He's um, kicked for two of them. He has. And so I'll say this about the two teams he's kicked for. He's gone in and he's kicked and he's done pretty well, but he's always been a placeholder. In, um, in San Francisco, where he was most recently, he was a placeholder for Robbie Gold. And he got a quad injury. Right. Gold. And now Gold is back and he's ready to go again. In Los Angeles for the Chargers, he was a placeholder for Michael Bashley, former Colt, uh, in preseason Colt at least. And so when Bashley was ready... He was gone from the Chargers. Uh, he is 13 of 17 on field goal attempts this year. Not spectacular by any means. Has a missed pay, PAT, but, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. 15 of 15. We have low standards here in Indy. We do. And here are his misses, his four misses. They are 48 yards, 47 yards, 43, and 42. The four, there's a story behind the 47-yarder. That was in overtime. That was to win a game against the uh, – and he had and he had kicked a was – Wasn't it, it Seattle? Yes, overtime? Seattle overtime. He kicked a 47-yarder to send it in overtime. Right. And they, and it's funny, the Booger and the, the, the uh, crew were saying, this shows you that the pressure doesn't get to this rookie. And then huh? – And, and then, then he kicks the 47-yarder in, in overtime into the tunnel. It was bad. And they said, well, you know, it's, it's obvious that this, the pressure got to him. Give me a break. Yeah. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. But but this is – we'll get to Vinny in a minute. But what this what this is going to do, you'll have uh, Chase McLaughlin under contract at the end of the season. And this is one where you can sign him to some kind of a deal in the offseason to where he, at worst, is in your competition next year. Uh, so, so at least it gives you a leg up, and we'll see where – this thing goes with Vinatieri, but at least again, like you said, uh, McLaughlin's a rookie. Well, he's twenty-three, and he, he's an accomplished kicker. So, if he's your baseline going into next season, you're in pretty good shape. I I, I like Chase McLaughlin as a kicker, just from the very limited what I've seen of him this year. Yes, he's missed some kicks. They've all been over forty. I think he's seven of seven um, for less than forty yards. And like you said, he hasn't missed any PATs. So no no dwarfs. 
uh, down there. Well, right, correct. Uh, if you if you want to say the forty seven yard into, into the tunnel was a dwarfed kick, sure, only because of how that. bad it was. Exactly, but but nothing that's below forty he has missed, which which like you said, low standards seems like this year sometimes, but but that is something that not every kicker, even in the NFL. Uh, can say this year, and we've brought this up before. And uh, Jim Aiello of the Star tweeted out just the the the, the past what, couple of years. You're bringing it up right that's now. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. Uh, if I can find, out, well, go, go ahead and fill time. No, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. It's this year. Uh, kickers are hitting 79.9 percent of their field goals. Go ahead. 79.9 this year. Last year, 84.7, 84.3, 84.2, 84.5, 84. And and his question is, what the hell happened? And it's a good question. Five percent is no it, it's, small it's, amount. It's massive. Normally, it's point something. I don't know whether it's it's the fact that taking Justin Tucker out of the equation because he just doesn't. He I think he's missed like one one PAT this year, maybe one field goal. But I don't know whether the the more established kickers are certainly getting older, Vinny and uh, Matt Bryant. Uh, Stephen Hoshka, people like that. Gold. Robbie yeah, Gold, and, and they've had misses. The it, It's funny, uh, kickers with, with Dallas. Is it Brett Mayer? I believe so. He's 28. He's 28 of 18 of 29. He's missed either 9 or 11 kicks, whatever it is. And uh, to, sh- to show you how splintered they are in Dallas, after the game this past weekend, or on Thursday, I think it was Thursday, Jason Garrett says, "Yeah, we're gonna, you know, we got to look into our kicker situation." And of course, Jerry Jones says, "No, we're fine." Uh, but but he's missed. I think it's what have you got it there, Joe? Nineteen of twenty-eight. I mean, that's for, for that's for, just field goals. Correct. So there's there's something going on with kickers. I don't know what it is. Uh, and and I've said all along, and and I've taken some abuse from not from you guys, which from Joe maybe, but this knee with Venetary, we, we can transition to Venetary. It's, it's yeah. been an issue since training camp. And it sat him down for a couple weeks in training camp, and it bothered him where he had five misses the first two weeks. Massive misses. Massive. They brought in six kickers in in September. One of them was McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something he's dealt with. He's gotten treatment all season long. But the issue is it finally cropped up to where he missed. He, he was limited. He was on the injury report Wednesday for the first time this year. And it's just it's gotten to the point that can he do his job at a high enough level? And I, you, we could argue that they should have done something back in September when it, when it was an issue, whether it's IR or whatever it was. But here we are, and my 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 from talking to people and from some talks with Vinny, I think this is and it's terrible to say this, the last kick indie fans are going to have from Vinatieri is going to be the. The, the you know the the dump block. dump yes. the, the block touchdown because I just I think he's going to go on IR and I think does he retire at the end of the season maybe probably but I just think this is it's it, it, this is either where you need a couple of weeks of rest at best and there's four games to go so I, I really would be surprised if he kicks again for the Colts. Vinatieri this year has missed a career high fourteen kicks, eight field goals. Uh, career and league high this year, six PATs, uh, 68%. He's connecting on field goals, easily the worst of his career. And you mentioned that he's been injured since training camp. He has never used that as an excuse, so I'll give him credit. We've, we've tried. We've sort of said. We've tried to we've, make we've, him. We've, we've yeah, given you the it. lifeline. And he said, yeah. no, he said, the, the closest he said is I'm, 
I'm, I'm healthy de- enough to play. I'm healthy enough to play. Yes, healthy we, enough. Every, everyone deals with things. I'm healthy enough to be out there. Uh, but this isn't like a, another player dealing with a whatever, a sore whatever. When you're the kicker and it's your plant knee, it, it just impacts what you do. This, this would be like a quarterback having a sore right shoulder. Right. So, but but again, the question then is, and, and it's, it's it's a legitimate question to, to the Colts, is if this was an issue all year, then why didn't you sort of force Vinny to quit kicking? Because mm-hmm. he, he, he'd kick, he'd probably kick Sunday if he, if he has a chance. But at some point you have to save the player from himself. Maybe they do that with T.Y. Hilton. In a week or two, which Ty said he's like, if I'm thirty percent, I'll, I'll go right. out there, and, and, and they, they won't do that. And, right. and, and let's say if they lose Sunday, six and seven, loss was it five or six? What's the purpose of bringing Ty back? And you know, the, the numbers won't do much to his career and all that. But but that, but that's how most of these guys. I'll say most of these guys are wired that if I can play, I'm going to play. So. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, Chase McLaughlin was one of the six kickers the Colts brought in early this year to uh, to try out, see if uh, that one of those six guys could replace Adam Vinatieri potentially. And I think at that point in the year, you're looking for someone to really wow you to to say, "Hey, Adam has struggled. We still know who he is. We know he's a little injured right now. Maybe he can battle through it and still show the glimpses of of." glory days old right but if one of these guys comes in and just is 100 percent like booming him through from 55 yards with 10 yards to spare then well maybe that's going to put us in a really strange position we're going to have to make a tough decision nobody did right at that time and if and if they had then maybe they had been here and, right and then it's on ir or whatever and now things are very much different because of multiple reasons like we have said Vinatieri's injury has not gone away. He just for the first time popped up on the uh, practice injury report uh, this week. So that is why the Colts are making a move right now, because now for the weekend to come against the Buccaneers, his status is finally for once actually legitimately in doubt. Correct. Yes. By, b- because of the injury. Right. Not because of. No. You not, know, because not, not because of because his you, performance. You're, right. And one thing to mention about McLaughlin, and let's, let's not. The expectation shouldn't be that he's going to not miss kick the rest of the season if he's your kicker, uh, but he he does give you some insurance. And, and again, like we said, this this is something moving forward that maybe is going to be something you can build on. Mm-hmm. So it, it it gives them something, some leverage moving forward. And it's worth noting that uh, New England and Buffalo each put in waiver claims on him. Yeah. I, I didn't know Buffalo was having issues. New England's had they're on the, like their fourth kicker, something like that. So it, it shows you that other teams wanted him, but th- th- this was the, the the good side of of being higher up in the in the waiver claim process, right? And, and it's rare, it's rare again if you go to years past that somebody would use a waiver claim on a kicker, correct? Be, uh, be, but this year, because oh, of everything we've said so all, far, it's all over the place. Teams have had for for what we've talked about with yeah. with the errant kicking. I, you can't watch a game nowadays without. And there's a touchdown. Oh, I missed the extra point, or this, that, and the other. And it, it's just crazy. There's there's something going on in the off season. Maybe somebody will write about it. But but locally, uh, at least they're covered again. Again, the issue is going to be with Adam. They're they're supposed to. By the time this comes out, they will have met with doctors. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's my it's I'm totally expecting IR whether it's today or tomorrow. You, you, it's in December t- to carry two kickers. It's just difficult. Mm-hmm. They they had to waive uh, the tight end uh, Matt Lingle. Uh, that that I'm making my point that they're bringing in guys 
off the street with the tight end. I think he started Sunday, uh, wow. the undrafted uh, tight end. And uh, you you just can't with with people injured. Uh, Marlon Mack, we don't know. Kenny Moore's not going to play. So it's it's hard. It's just hard to carry two kickers. It's hard to carry three quarterbacks. I mean, they're, they're, they're still, still got, doing that. They still got uh, Chad Kelly still Kelly, there. I'm uh, surprised that Chad Kelly is still on the 53. But. So am I. I yeah. I despite what Twitter world thinks, I, I don't know why he's still here. Right. But but it's really hard to carry two kickers, especially one who needs at least two weeks to where maybe he can kick again. And we're in December. And and, and two kickers and three quarterbacks in December when you have so many other roster needs is ju- it's puzzling and Chris right. Ballard and Frank Reich are going to have to play a wacky jigsaw puzzle game to make things fit properly for the guys that you have and the things that you want to do on Sunday and that can lead into a discussion about the injuries we mentioned T.Y. Hilton already did not practice on Wednesday with his calf he said he's doing everything he can to be out there if he can I can if I can't I might just shut it down. And that's something, that right there, T.Y. Hilton, even hinting that he might shut it down for the season, kind of took me aback. But it, but it's funny, it's, uh, talking to Matt Conti with, with the Colts, and apparently T.Y., he passed him in the hallway or whatever, and T.Y. said, did I say I was going to IR? And he didn't, but but he, he left the door open for that. He right. was a little surprised that some of us reacted the way reacted we did. Reacted the way we did, like, uh-huh. that's a possibility. But of course it's a possibility. Right. And from our point is this guy is so valuable to your franchise and how it limited him at, at Houston. He, 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 he admitted he didn't have his explosiveness and he couldn't run him deep. And then he aggravated again. So I, I don't know why, if you're looking to finish either 8-8 eight eight or 7-9, and nine, why you would risk T.Y. other than T.Y. is just you know the ultimate competitor type of guy who, who wants to play because, you know, that's what I do. I think he said, told someone, I've got all off season to heal. Mm-hmm. Well, but you don't. You'd, you'd rather heal a strained calf as opposed to a torn calf. So, but uh, yeah, I I I don't think either Ty plays again this year or Venetary kicks again this year. But but we'll see. It will be very interesting if the Colts get one more loss at any time this year. Correct. Because with one more loss. That's the final nail in the coffin, really. Right now, you not hold mathematically, out hope. but it's one of those. If ten things happen, that was like I remember that the one Colts eight and eight year when like twenty things needed to happen. They so were just, you say there's a chance, exactly. They were so <laughs> that's what it would be like this year. And yeah, right. sure, maybe you go into week seventeen with a little hope, but uh, it's it's no. It, the the ship has sailed right on, on playoff possibilities, and it's funny because some teams when they get in a situation and you're looking to sort of play out the string what people say, well, good. You, you can play your younger players and see what they got. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing, they're playing all, all their people. And I, the, the stat that I used in a story earlier this week to show you where they are with injuries, you, you, you don't use injuries as excuses because people don't care. Mm-hmm. They just don't care. Nope. But the four receivers and the four tight ends they used in the game who were active on Sunday against uh, Tennessee not one of them was drafted. That's ridiculous that you've got no draft picks and you're skilled people. So and, and when I've got 10 minutes to waste, I'll bet this team has right now 15 or 16 undrafted players on this roster, mm-hmm. which is just crazy. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a point of pride kind of to have that one guy, you know, every year. But not year 15 or 16, no, not no, a 30-year no, 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 no. roster or whatever. And, and, uh, but that, that's what injuries have done to them. Again, I think we keep bouncing with injuries. I think there's a real good chance Paris Campbell's back this week. 
And I'd like to see this kid stay healthy because he has shown what he could do. When he hangs on to the football, well, I'll too. throw that in there. Well, the next you know, several games could be a huge opportunity for him to be the number one target all of a sudden. Maybe, okay, at very least third behind Pascal and Doyle, but mm-hmm. this is a huge chance for him to gain momentum going into year two. The ghost of Christmas future, perhaps, over these next couple right, of weeks. Right, because again, he's, he's not really got had a chance to get going. He was had a really good training camp, and then he had, I can't think of what it was, was it an ankle or whatever it was, sets him back. Comes back, starts to get things going. Then he's got the had sports hernia surgery. Then he gets going back again in Pittsburgh. These think, hey, this guy's got a pretty good chance. Mm-hmm. And then he has a fractured hand. So it's uh, and and moving forward, he's going to be, I, I would think maybe not your one, but but as your as a two, right behind Ty. I mean, but behind Ty, and we'll get into it with Joe later on in in a few weeks or months. The draft, they're picking, I think, seventeenth right now. And this is the best wide receiver class in years. That's what you hear. Best since Julio and A.J. Green year. I saw a uh, CBS Sports projection, by the way, while we're briefly on the draft here, that the Colts took uh, the uh, the Oregon quarterback at like 15 or 17. Well, I saw one was. Herbert, Herbert, yes, Herbert would fall there. Well, I saw one where whoever it was, they, they had him taking the Oklahoma receiver, C.D. C.D. Lamb. Lamb. Right. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, th- this is... I go back to the years with with the Manning years and Marvin and, and Reggie and all this, and at a certain point in your in your number one guy's career, you find that next guy. And the Colts sort of did. Marvin was uh, whatever year he was. Uh, he he was drafted in '96, I think it was, out of Syracuse. And then they and then the time came in 2001, and it was time to find that that next guy, and it was Reggie. And and it, it's time it's time to find Ty's long time replacement, and that's only five years after Marvin was drafted. You Correct. know, and so Ty was drafted in 2012, if I'm this is not his mistaken. Eighth season. Yeah, so next year it'll be eight. Yeah, that's that's longer than they waited right. really without right uh, for, with Marvin is right. kind of a point. And, and, it, and, and I'm not saying they, they draft somebody and let Ty go because Ty's no, got no, another no, year no, to no. go. I think ideally playing Chris Ballard GM. You, I would probably go ahead and extend Ty in the off season, although maybe with the injuries you want to wait a year. But the next contract, make it a four year deal. Throw the numbers on it where it's actually a a two year deal. Uh, but you've got and we, there's there's so many topics that we can talk about in the future with all the cap money they're going to have. You've got my, my guy Costanzo, which for some reason. <laughs> As keep bringing he, that bell, I Mike. keep bringing the bell, and you know, I, sh- I should get some kind of finder's fee with it, but they need to do something with him in the offseason. And then coming up soon, you're going to have Malik Cooker. You're going to have Ryan Kelly. You're going to have, and then down there a little bit more with, with Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard. So you're going to have some major people to re-up. Marlon Mack limited in practice on Wednesday. He missed the last two games with a broken hand. There's a chance that he could play at Tampa Bay. I would say you break your hand and you're back in three weeks. Boy, that is that is really impressive, two, number one. Two words, ball security. That, yeah, exactly. That you is think they're nervy. Not gonna be, you think they're not going to be tomahawk chopping your hand and, and yep. all this? And how does that feel? And that's why last week, if I'm not, I, I need to look at my injury report. I thought last week Mack did not practice. Maybe he was limited today. But then he was limited yesterday. He's probably going to be limited today. I go back to where Paris Campbell was limited all last week. Didn't play. Right. 
and then he's gonna gonna probably play this week. So I, I wonder if the, if it'd be the same thing. Did did Mac practice last week? No, not at all. I, he we saw him on the side, right, uh, with trainers, and and then it's just you, you kind of get into a routine with these guys, and if. If I realize all injuries aren't the same, but when you've got two guys with a fractured hand, you sort of follow the second guy on how the first guy progressed. So I, I would be surprised if Mac plays. And we can we talk about the Bucks, uh, whatever their shortcomings are. Run defense ain't one of them. So th- this this will be a t- this will be a tough test. Perhaps the uh, Colts' pass rush takes a hit with Kenny Moore out. You never know. Pretty Obviously, bad. He's yeah, one, of your best, one of your best pass rushers, and mm-hmm. he is. He's Our a playmaker. Boy. Our boy he Kenny. He's a playmaker, and uh, those Buccaneers got some pretty damn good wide receivers to cover as oh, well. Oh, 2,000 yard guys? Yeah. yeah. Chris Godwin has just blown up this year. He was a he was a fantasy sleeper in the beginning of the season. Not that much of a sleeper. I think everybody had seen, and their mom was on top of uh, uh, the, the breakout performance that we have seen from Godwin this year, but um, the Buccaneers passing game. Where is that here? Uh, second and third in the NFL are Godwin and Mike Evans in receiving yards. Jameis Winston, a quarterback, second in the NFL in passing yards. He's already top 3,600, averaging better than 300 per game. He's sixth in passing touchdowns. So you, you and, t- he's, and he's first in one category. A, a, a good category if you are a Colts defensive back. Giveaways. That's right. In, not only first in interceptions, and he's also got 20, I think it's 25 turnovers, mm-hmm. including so fumbles. So this is one where if I'm the defense or maybe Millie Cooker in particular, I'm thinking, I'm going to have chances. Come on now. I'm going to have chances to make plays. Yeah. So, and again, the question is, can you get into a shooting match with these guys? Because they're going to score points because if for, I was looking here, 20, 31, 55, 24, 26, 23, 34, 30, 35, 28, they scored. So they're going to put points on the board. Now, they're, they're going to give you chances to make plays because that's what a Bruce Arians offense does. Mm-hmm. The no risk it, no biscuit. Whether well, it means you know there's biscuits, but there's risk it. Mm-hmm. So he he does he does give you opportunities to, to to make plays as a defense. But the downside is they're they're going to make plays on offense. And if Jameis uh, is healthy and upright and looking downfield in the pocket, that's when he's at his best. I got to see Jameis when he was at Florida State when I covered him down there when I worked in Tallahassee, and they won the national championship and. I was he his first year his freshman year when they won the title was was redshirt freshman year he was an incredible quarterback just carving up everybody um, you knew very early that year that he was going to be a number one or number two overall pick in the draft and he was him and Mariota we we don't mention Marcus Mariota anymore because well, there's for reason exactly no reason to mention Marcus Mariota anymore maybe after this season the buccaneers will make the same decision but certainly not during the season and it's he makes it hard he really will make it hard for the bucks to move on if we want to talk about this for a minute because of the the prolific numbers that he puts up yes interceptions fumbles are bad but you always think if we can just get him to not do that. It, it's not what Mariota had, which is a complete lack of production. You, you never had the high points no, with him. never. He Jameis has high points, if not every week, every other week. Has 300, has 400-yard performances, has four touchdown performances. Those happen so often that it just makes a GM or a coach a little uh, wary of letting him go because you're like, man, he, if you can just get this one thing right. But that was the idea with Arians going down there, that he's a quarterback whisperer and he can get the best out of him. Exactly. And he sort of has gotten 
He's got again. He's gotten both both sides of it. Because mm-hmm. again, you look at uh, Mer- uh, with Winston, he's got the twenty two interceptions, and he's been sacked forty times. Mm-hmm. That's Bruce Arians. Yep. I, I, I was talking with Ty about about Arians. I might do a story if if we can get quit writing about kickers for the rest <laughs> of the week. Uh, there's three players left from the Colts when Arians was here in 2012. Ty, Vinatieri, Costanzo. That's it. That's it. And they love the guy. They love him. They love his no-nonsense. Costanzo called him a fullback-type coach hmm. where he's in your face, but you like it. And I'm convinced to this day that the main reason T.Y. is in Indianapolis is Bruce Arians scouted him and liked what he saw. And, that, and, and T.Y. sort of said, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Hmm. But the, the downside to, to, to Arians' approach is the risk at part. You put your quarterback at risk because t- to throw the ball down the field, the quarterback holds it longer. Seven step drops, which was was a remedy for or was it was a recipe for disaster with the Colts because the offensive line was awful. Right, and and that's where the abuse abuse on Luck started. But I'm telling you, if you, if you can block it up, he 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 wants the ball down the field. He wants to be aggressive, and that's why I say, even if. if Winston is, is is productive on Sunday, there will be occasion to make plays. And I'll say this about the pass rush, too. This is a stat that I found uh, via, uh, what's it called, Sports Info Solutions on Twitter. It was just a random pop-up in my feed. I'm sure that's all. Joe's got that. Exactly. He follows it. He, he knows uh, the tweets by heart. But uh, over the past four weeks of the NFL season, Ben Banigou is eighth best in pressure rate among 140 defensive ends or outside linebackers with at least 30 snaps. Eighth out of 140. So, And you're starting to see uh, Bobby Okariki. Yep. Uh, another story I'd like to do this week, if I quit writing about the kickers, coming off a strong game. and So you're seeing flashes from the Colts' defense, and again, Kenny Moore has been part of that. Justin Houston sort of needs to get back on the horse and, and get some sacks. But you, li- you like where this defense is. It is young at most places. Defensive line's got a couple guys you, you, you need to address in the offseason, but I, I like the way this pass rush goes, but they, they, what, they had six sacks against Tennessee, five in the yeah, first half. Five in the first half right. there. Mm-hmm. So. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. The uh, Buccaneers' offensive line also might be a little bit banged up this week. Uh, starting right guard Alex Kappa did not practice on Wednesday with an elbow injury. He left last week's game against Jacksonville. Um, their starting right tackle, uh, DeMar Dotson, missed Wednesday, but that's non-injury related. I think it was an excused absence, I believe, is what uh, Bruce Arians said in his press conference. So uh, right, guard, right guard maybe a bit of an issue right there in the interior for them. Also pass rusher Jason Pierre. Paul did not practice in there uh, on Wednesday. For the Buccaneers, um, who are in a very similar situation to the Colts in the fact that their playoff hopes are still alive and they need to win out to do it. And one person, uh, well, Bruce Arians mentioned in his career, they did that. They won four straight, made the playoffs, won the Super Bowl. Oh, is that uh, right? That was with uh, Pittsburgh, I think is okay. what he said. Um, it, it must have been because that's what he said. That he said, we, we won four, we made the playoffs. Some, guy, uh, some guys you have to fact check when I say that. I'll take Bruce's in his word. Right. And then he said Jason Pierre-Paul did the same thing when he was with the Giants. They won a bunch in a row down well, the Well, they won three or four, is it? Yeah, they won three or four. Right. They've won three or four now. So they're two, playing. The last two on the road. Mm-hmm. I realize it's Atlanta and Jacksonville, which. Hey, you take care of business on the road. Road right. games are not, are not no slouch right. in the NFL. So 
Um, the Buccaneers, as a whole this season, their pass defense has been one of the worst in the NFL. Um, they have, where is it here? They allow the second most passing yards per game behind only the woeful Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals allow like more than 200 yards per game. They're 20 yards per game worse than the Bucks, who are second, uh, second given, worst. Given up 27 touchdown passes, which is enormous. Yes, that's third most in the league. So there will be p- opportunities for Jacoby Brissett to find whoever the receivers are going to be downfield by the way if we're talking about Colts receivers Zach Pascal's I don't he he hasn't disappeared in the past couple games but he's not doing it seems like what he did earlier he finally in did the year this, this past week he was he had a some, couple down the middle we had something for 106 oh he did have a career it was a career best game okay, as far I didn't, as yards. I yeah. didn't realize that he had a, that he had quite that many yards no, I knew that he caught a few before, more he had one one target yeah it was like, you know, whenever there was a soft matchups, he would disappear and then a tougher game and he blows up. Uh, I think a lot of it, you know, he would be wide open a lot against Tennessee. A lot of it kind of seemed like he would just find the spots in the zone and Brissett would find him. Because, I, I, again, I thought, as, as crazy as it sounded, we talked in the, in the press room the other day, that I thought the fact that, that again, the Houston game where he, and he Pascal had one target, Chester Rogers had one target, Marcus Johnson had one target. It was the, the receivers had... I think it was four catches for 30 yards. It was crazy. Yeah. And I thought it was almost detrimental to have T.Y. on the field in the shape he was because then, then you didn't have to, to, to game plan for Pascal or whomever else. I realized T.Y.'s value. But when you when you have to use Pascal in, in your game plan and really focus, it can be pretty effective. The problem is, and it, and it comes off as a slap at these guys, but – Pascal cannot be your if if he's your best receiver, you're decimated at the position. Mm-hmm. You, you just it's just it's just and, and they are. You figure Ty, Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, and then Chester Rogers being out for the rest of the season with, with a knee injury. So it's just been one thing after the other, and it's simply every year it's a position that gets ju- just. Decimated whether you know one year a couple of years ago it was it was defensive backs cornerbacks and the last couple of years has been wide receivers. Somebody sent me a, a comment on Twitter about well, see Ballard should have done a better job of of having the the position with more depth. No, you can't. I remember you can't in, combat this depth. In, in training camp. Yes, we, we talked about how they had like nine, ten, eleven players yeah. to where you're going to cut some good players, mm-hmm. and you you can't you just can't take make a you know take precautions for this kind of injury at one position it doesn't work well even going back to training camp ishmael what was it my boy yeah and then doris fountain dislocated ankle yeah Yeah, so it's been happening all the way back to training camp and if you want to go back that far you can talk about andrew luck's injury Mm -hmm. cost is why he's not playing vinatieri has an injury to a knee so pretty much everything but the offensive line they've not had a, a guy miss a start yet because of injury which is really really rare in the nfl now Ryan Kelly's missed a handful of plays with, uh, I think it's been a knee injury uh, and a shoulder or a neck in one game. A but, stinger. But he's, right. played, Burner, he, he's missed very few plays. Yeah. It would certainly behoove Jameis, not Jameis Winston, excuse me, Jacoby Brissett, uh, to have a clean pocket from that offensive line. The Bucks have not always allowed uh, their opposing quarterbacks to have a clean pocket. In fact, Shaquille Barrett leads the NFL in sacks this year. 14 and a half sacks. But didn't sacks. he have like, 10 or whatever in the first 
He had three, here's the deal. Game, like, like the first three games. Game. Yeah, the first three games he had eight sacks because he right. had a four sack game against the Giants, which was a franchise record. His eight sacks through three games tied an NFL record. Um, so he he came out of the gates exploding. But let's go since then. Um, so after the first three games, what have they played? Nine, ten games since then. He still had eight sacks, or right. not? Sorry, he's had six and a half sacks during that time. He's right. got three sacks over the last two games. So yeah, he's so, still he's, doing so he's still it. doing it. Yeah, so yes, he had an incredible start, and that's what all huge numbers. If you ever reached twenty sacks in the NFL, like You're Justin Houston did, games. like Michael Strahan did, like. I bet. Four players, five players have done it. Yeah. Six players, maybe. Right. Robert maybe Mathis, 19. I think Donald got there one year. I think Aaron Donald hit 20. You're always going to have one game that has like three, or right. three and a two and a two that just right. blows up in a couple weeks. But but he's done that, and that's a kid. Hey, this last year in the offseason, he, uh, he was with the Broncos, and they put a restricted – tag on him a second round uh tag which is the same thing the colts did for uh chester rogers and matthias farley and exactly shaquille barrett ends up signing a deal with the buccaneers a one-year deal to go go play for them so he bet on himself with this one-year deal and he is winning Right. For sure, we actually talked about him as you know one of we the did. potential pass rushers they might look mm-hmm. at. Yep. Well, that would have been uh, fantastic. Mo- mo- moves you didn't make. Yeah, to have or, a guy or with whatever for whatever reason. Fourteen and a half sacks as a team. They only have thirty three, which is kind of the middle of the league. So he is he's by far and away your best. But still, we mentioned Jason Pierre-Paul earlier. He's injured. Don't know if he'll play this weekend, but he does have a sack in each of his last two games as well. The veteran Pierre-Paul. So and he missed the first eight weeks. Okay. So that has an impact on it. Yeah, it's a good well. point. Right. So now that he's back, maybe he's getting in a groove too. So wa- watch out, Anthony Costanzo. Watch out, Braden Smith, because um, those those guys are certainly coming for you. What else we got here? The uh, run game. The Bucks' run defense, uh, very much opposite from the pass defense. One of the best in the league. It's certainly strengthened by the two guys they have on the interior. And uh, NFL fans will recognize certainly one of those names, if not two. But Vita Vea is one. And the other one is Ndamukong Sue. So you have two guys right in the middle of that 3-4 defense that are very, very adept at stopping the run. And they've done that well this year. They allow the second fewest rush yards per game in the NFL, 76 rushing yards. And it's not just because teams throw on them all the time. It's because teams really can't run on them. They're only averaging exactly 3.4 yards per carry. Only three times this year has an opposing team um, rushed for more than 100 yards against the Bucks. And so this and, is a strength on strength. And week. what's going to be interesting is, well, it, it, Maybe. It, it if is Marlon Mack is uh, there. Th- yes, that's, yes. that's the question again, yep, because l- let's say Mack doesn't play. Well, do they go back? To Jonathan Williams, do they stick with Jordan Wilkins? It was so strange last week, and I think Frank Wright called it a in-game decision to where you stick with the hot hand with Wilkins and Hines. I'm not certain or sure that uh, Jonathan Williams was on the field in the second half. I, I really don't think I he was. Recall. And this was after 200-yard games, which, with all due respect to Jonathan Williams, it, that's a more of a reflection, I think, of the offensive line. It's the old adage that an offensive line, an elite offensive line, can make an average running back look pretty good. Mm-hmm. But this this offense, the rushing offense, is night and day 
with and without Marlon Mack. It just is. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of wanted to throw an example of how dominant the Buccaneers' run defense has been. Christian McCaffrey is having an amazing season. He's averaging 97 rush yards per game. Week two against the Bucks, he had 16 carries for 37 yards. Wow. And then in his second game against the Buccaneers, he had 22 carries for 31. Wow. Ooh. When you can shut down McCaffrey, man. Do it once, okay. Yeah. Twice, okay. Yeah. Really okay. And, th- and that's why it's this is the Colts run game. Again, it, it just asks so much of if, if Mac doesn't play and – I just don't know how soon you put him out there unless because again ball security it, it, this is a fractured hand and I don't know how you find out in practice if a guy can hold on to the ball we, we had uh, Tom Rath when we talked to him last week I think it was and he casually mentioned well with Marlon Mack he's going to learn to carry the ball more in his left hand well, but but if that's not natural and you know you always hold the ball away from where where the def- defense is coming so we'll see, but you know, one thing is if Mac plays, he's ready to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen to a fault these guys not put players out there until they're ready. If I'm not mistaken, and Joe, you might be able to look this up, but I think Emmett Smith always carried the ball in just one hand, like he never changed hands. So I don't know. It, it, Rathman might even be thinking about that too, saying, "Hey, guys, at least." in the past, have only carried the ball in one hand. But, if, but if, I, I, Like, Joe, I, I think I might have listened to this once like a lo- up, long time ago. You Google that or something. I don't know. I found on a forum somewhere it says Emmett Smith always carried the ball in his left hand no matter what. Yeah. Um, I really think he did. Like, I remember listening to an old game broadcast where they mentioned this. This is, like, really stupid memory that I just have stuck up in my head. It'll be there when you're 60. It, it will. It doesn't go away. Exactly. So, so I, think, I think that Emmett Smith, no matter – where somebody was attacking him from, no matter where he was on the field, carried the ball in his left hand. The the, di- the difference being, though, is if, if he did that all the time. Right. Then what if you say, okay, you got a fracture in your left hand, carry it in your right hand. Right. How do you do that? That'd be tough. And, and then you get in a game, and it's funny. I remember people talked about a quarterback with his throwing motion, Tim Tebow. Well, we're going to work on this. And and then when you get into a game, you revert to what you do. Right. It's, it's just your, your memory takes over, so... Mm-hmm. If if Mac can do if if they're convinced he can do what he does and protect the ball, then he'll play. If not, it'll be next the next game and block. Yeah, that's Pass too. protection. Yeah, can can you block Dominican Sue coming up the middle with uh, one broken hand? Can you do? You'd probably be cutting him at that time. I I doubt that they'd ask Marlon yeah, Mack to do a true. lot of hands blocking right in the middle. At least unless they're super confident that that hand is healed. Right. Which right now I don't know if you could be confident at all that that hand is healed. Uh, so we've talked about a uh, passing game, rushing game for the Colts as well. Um, the uh, Bucks haven't touched on their running game too much, but, I mean, there's not much to talk about. It's the 31st-ranked rushing uh, attack in the league. They only average 72 yards per game and 3.4 yards per carry, very much similar numbers to what their defense allows. But um, basically, and Joe wrote down here, and also I'll give him credit, don't give Jameis Winston a crutch to fall back on. Keep right. him keep him one-dimensional. Allow your defensive ends uh, to to try to tee off on him and see if you can get back there. If, if you make Winston pass enough, he's going to make those three, four, five, can't sometimes it, even. Can't help himself. Yeah, he's going to make the mistakes that can change the game. And looking at this game here, okay, Colts have a very good run defense. Bucks can't run the ball. 
Colts, we'll see if they get Marlon Mack back, but it may not matter because the Buccaneers might be able to shut him down anyway. So this is this is where you use those that short passing game with mm-hmm. Hines and those. Jack Doyle. Jack Jack yeah. seven point eight Doyle. Seventeen catches for Jack Doyle. This no, no, who knows? Hey, why not? Yeah, exactly. It, it's almost shaping up to me as. Brissett versus Winston. Mm-hmm. Colts passing game versus the Bucks passing game. Two totally s- different approaches. Completely different. Is this, you know, turtle going to win or is it going to be the hare in this one? <laughs> so it's kind of what this game is shaping up to be. Let's run down our picks for the week. The Colts take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay, in fact, this weekend. The old Jolly Roger sitting down there uh, on the bay. Um, the... Bucks are what is their record this year, Joe? Five and seven. They are five and seven. Okay, they're five and seven. The uh, Colts are six and six. I haven't thought about this too much. I, I I don't know if you can all tell that I haven't thought about this at all. Like I, I, a, I, you can think about it a little longer. Go I, ahead, I'm going, please. I, I just I went with the Colts last week until Ty was out, and yep. then I flipped. And then I, I just I, I think they're too beat up at, at key positions. Although getting. Uh, Paris Campbellback's going to help. I'm, 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 my head's trying to think about what I'm thinking. Twenty-seven, seventeen, Bucks. I, I'm pretty well convinced the Bucks will win it. Although knowing the way the Colts are, they're going to they'll find a way to win just to extend this. <laughs> but no, I just I think that they've the, the time has passed for the Colts to be playoff relevant. So twenty-seven, seventeen, Bucks. I'm going to go uh, twenty-seven, twenty-one. Uh, Bucks as well. I don't think that the Colts' defense is going to be able to hold them down. Said seven quite as field much. goals by McLaughlin. Exactly, seven field goals from Chase McLaughlin. <laughs> they can't quite punch it in the end zone. Uh, he has twenty-one points in his Colts debut, but not enough to uh, to overcome the Buccaneers. Joe, I'll go twenty. I picked the Colts to lose last week. I'm going to pick them to win this week and end their skid. I'm going to go twenty-eight to twenty-four. He does that just to go. Contrary I'm to sure us. he does. <laughs> Let him go ahead. Maybe a little bit, but um, yeah, I think the Colts will be able to make a few plays that'll change the game. I think the defense is going to get those few turnovers that'll change the game, and I don't think the Buccaneers' pass defense is going to be able to put the clamps on the Colts' wide receivers like we've seen some other teams been able to do. One thing we need to keep in mind is this defense is playing well. The Colts, oh, yeah. de- the Colts' defense mm-hmm. is playing well, and not having Kenny Moore is going to be an issue. He was in a boot today. He's not going to play. Uh, so that means I, I'm assuming Quincy Wilson not only is going to have to dress but play because you're going to play a lot of your corners. So uh, the pass defense is going to be huge. Yeah, Bucks will go four wide quite a bit. Yeah, And, and Kenny, his, his role, we, we've talked about this before, but it's good to, to rehash it. His, his role in this defensive scheme is, is crucial. Uh, Matt Eberflus will talk about it. A lot of the action is funneled toward the will, which is Darius Leonard, and to the slot corner, which is Kenny Moore. It's one reason why the Colts gave him an extension this past offseason, lock him up because he is a crucial part of your defensive scheme for now and looking forward. And it's why when uh, that one game, Rocky Scene was having a tough game earlier this year, and I had people in my mentions saying, hey, just put Kenny Moore out there on the outside. I was like, no, you can't move Kenny Moore to the outside. Keep him on the slot. That's what he does. That's right. what the defense does. He's very important there. So, so no, no people on Twitter. <laughs> don't don't say that. So, uh, Joe and um, and Matt really went into the AFC playoff picture quite in depth on our podcast on Monday. But uh, the Colts are at six and six in a tie with the Raiders um, uh, for eighth place, basically. 
uh, out of, of course, six teams. I think the they're ninth season. in the seedings, aren't they? Joe? They are. I yes, think. they are behind the Raiders because the Raiders had the head-to-head win. So um, you got to get past the Raiders somehow. You got to get past the Titans somehow. You got to get past the Steelers somehow. And uh, the Raiders beat them. The Steelers beat them. The Titans uh, comes into uh, very deep tiebreakers that will depend on how the rest of the season goes. But it certainly looks like the Bills have locked up that uh, right. five seed for now, being nine and three. And uh, just wiping the floor with the Cowboys the other week. They that might was, win the division. Fun. It's that quite possible. That was it fun. Was, it was fun. I loved it. As, yeah. a, as someone who grew up in the great city of Philadelphia, anytime the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They're going well, too. Eagles are going sore, Eagles sore. <sighs> yeah, well, they, uh, yeah. We, we don't have to talk too much about the Eagles, <laughs> who, who, who lost to the. Uh, the uh, Dolphins, just like the Colts did a couple. Weren't weeks they up like twenty-one to seven or something? It was, dude. You should have seen my Twitter timeline with like uh, with friends and with uh, the so the, the, double uh, figure league. It was a double-digit league. Good league? heavens! It what? Double-digit league? Didn't it was definitely have... a double-digit league. Yeah, yeah oh, it was. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah, someone who started the Eagles defense in fantasy. Oh thinking no, that would be Joe! A good choice against good choice. the Dolphins. Oh. I had, I had a choice to make in fantasy before we wrap things up, and I like to say that I made the right one. Uh, but actually, Carson Wentz had a really good fantasy day. He did. Um, I started Jimmy Garoppolo, and, uh, and I still won my week. Jimmy so. G. Jimmy G, that's right. So uh, that's a pretty good choice to have there between those two guys anyway. So I'm, uh, I'm happy. I'm in the playoffs. I got a first-round bye in the playoffs, in oh, fact. Second best, uh, second best. Uh, second. How are you doing there, Joe? Which league? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm in I have six, one league, you know. But in the work league, I got uh, a first-round bye as well. There you go. There you go. That's what matters. Be able to come to work Monday through Friday and just shove it in your uh, in your uh, fellow uh, employees' faces. So um, the Texans host the Broncos this week. Drew Locke will get a second start after beating the Chargers last week. I'll see if he can take on the Texans. Uh, the Titans visit the Raiders, so that's a big game in the uh, AFC playoff picture. Uh, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders has uh, been playing with a fracture in his shoulder since week seven of this year. Sakes alive. The kid is tough. And uh, the 4-8 and eight Jaguars host the 4-8 and eight Chargers. Gardner Minshew, the starter there again, with uh, Nick Foles returning to the bench. What a mess it they is. are. It is, unfortunately. They can't, they can't move on no. from Nick Foles. Nope. It would cost them like $30 million exactly. in dead money. They'd have to it. trade him, and I don't think yeah. anyone's going to trade for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. We'll wait you. Yeah. Good luck with that. So that is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. The Colts travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers Sunday at 1 o'clock, broadcast on CBS4. Join us Sunday morning for the Colts Blue Zone pregame show at 11.30 a.m., broadcast in central Indiana, also on CBS4. I am Dave Griffiths. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports. Mike Chappell covering the Colts for 36 years. You can follow him at mchappell 51 Joe Hopkins on the board is at Roto Street Joe. We thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Follow us at at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter, and we'll see you next time.